Again, last Sunday, the title of the sermon was, What is God's Will for Thanksgiving? For Thanksgiving. And we learned in a very powerful and uh, moving way that, that Thanksgiving is a whole lot more than a one-off. A whole lot more than, uh, you know, gatherings. And nothing wrong with the gatherings. Those are awesome. I love them. Went down to San Diego and was with family and, and friends. Um, but we saw last week in 1 Thessalonians 5, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, starting verse 16. It says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, as we open your word once again, and in just just that first few readings of verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. We're reminded right off the bat that, that of ourselves we can do nothing. That, that command to give thanks in all circumstances, Lord, right away we, we, we just want to say we need, we need you. Because left to ourselves, that's just absolutely impossible. And so, Lord, as we open your word once again, as we continue to to understand your will for thanksgiving, what it means to give thanks in all circumstances and, and why we can do that. And what is the basis for, for doing that? Lord, we ask you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will be the teacher, the spirit of truth, the counselor. And our prayer as always is that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. We would walk in truth. We would take the time to allow You to search our hearts, allow You to speak truth to us, and then, Lord, allow You to show us what we need to do with it, how we need to put it in action, so that we can be transformed by You more and more into the image of Your Son. So we thank You for Your Word and ask You to bless our time in Your Word this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to... Uh, kick off with that video that I showed last Sunday because I think it really, again, um, sets a, a wonderful uh, foundation for 1 Thessalonians 5.18. been talking with some of you during the week, this, this practical application of giving thanks in all circumstances. Some of you have done that. Yeah, I got an email from Betty and she's going to share in a little bit. And, and it's been transformative. It, it, it has literally, for some of you who have sat in church for decades, this practice of giving thanks in all circumstances, something has happened. Something has happened. And, and I'm so blessed to hear your stories because uh, what has happened, and, and, I, and I've been praying about it and thinking about it, what has happened in some ways is when we choose to give thanks in all circumstances, what you're doing is you're opening the door. You open the door and God comes in. We acknowledge He's with us, but when you choose to give thanks in all circumstances, suddenly the presence of God becomes much more real. You know, the, the, there's, 
there's a, a biblical principle about knowing God. Okay? And that's different than knowing about God. Right? I can know a lot about a particular car. I can go on Craigslist. I can go to the dealership. I can read up on it. I can know a lot about a particular car. Right? But until I get in and drive that car, then I know the car. See the difference? So for many of us in church, you come and you sit and you listen to sermons. And oftentimes, unfortunately, and it's no fault of your, your own, but unfortunately it gets interpreted as, oh, the sermon is someone talking about God. And so it's, it turns into factual accumulation of knowledge about God. And then we break and we go have donuts and they ask, well, how was the sermon? And you say, it was good. I learned a lot about God. See, and what has happened for, for many of you as you have uh, heard God say to you, no, you need to give thanks in all circumstances. You need to give thanks in all circumstances. See what has happened? When you do that, then you begin to know God experientially. See, sometimes without even knowing it as Christians, we have compartmentalized God. There's things we know about Him, which is probably a whole, a whole big slice of the pie, but if we don't actually invite him in and engage him in sometimes the hardest parts of our life, then we don't know him. We know a lot about him, but as we engage him and, and, and involve him and give thanks in all circumstances in the pain and the suffering and the turmoil of life, and as he walks you through that valley of the shadow of death, you know what happens? You get to know him. That's how you get to know him. See, a lot of times in our life, there, there, there's some things in my life, you know, that, that, that happened growing up and, and, you know, it rocked my world. Everything I thought was supposed to be, how it was supposed to be, wasn't. And, and little did I know that what I did growing up was learn and teach myself to avoid pain, avoid conflict, avoid hurt, avoid confrontation. Because I wanted to protect myself. It was all about self-protection. It was all about self-protection, right? And as I have been working through this verse and, and learning what it means to give thanks in all circumstances, you know what God has been saying to me? You've got to stop this self-protection thing, man. Because now you are, you are trying to protect yourself so much that you're not even letting me in to walk you through it. I'm consumed with self-protection I'm consumed with avoidance, denial, numbing myself, whatever I do to cope with pain. And then along comes God and says, hey man, give thanks in that. What? And as I've had to do that, and as I've had to be challenged, I've come to know Him. I shared with you last, last Sunday, as I worked through this two weeks ago, you know, a uh, couple years ago, Personally, you know, one of my best friends, you know, Pastor Larry, committed suicide. And I had to reflect on that in light of this verse. And, and I had to be very honest with myself and with God and say, I counseled people. I did a memorial service. I grieved. 
I was angry. I was hurt. I was a lot of things, but I didn't give thanks at all. It wasn't even on my radar to do that. And as I went back and, and, and re-engaged some of the emotion and, and, the, and the, the, the memories of that whole experience, and I chose to kind of go back and say, Lord, okay, what would it mean to give thanks in that? hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it. Because I've gotten to know God. I've gotten to, to, to allow Him to literally walk me through the valley of the shadow of death via giving thanks. Remember, it's not giving thanks for horrible circumstances. We don't give thanks for a broken and sinful world. It's not that, but you can give thanks in all circumstances. And then knowing about God somehow becomes knowing Him. Becomes knowing Him in a very deep and profound way. In all circumstances. So let's watch this video and we'll continue on with uh, this study. You look in your notes there. Giving thanks. It's a personal choice. And the way it's written in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it's a choice that we make so often and so continuously that it becomes a habitual attitude and action. And last week we looked at a whole lot of verses because you see in your notes there the common reactions and responses to adversity, you know, grumbling and complaining, anger, accusations against God, right? Job says, hey, Lord, where are you? You ever been in that place? Something happens and you're just like, Lord, where are you? You hearing me? I don't get this, right? Worry, anxiety, revenge, shame, blame shifting, hiding, avoidance, fretting, envy, right? You ever been in that place? Hey, Lord, I'm doing my best to follow you. Why are all these people who don't even want anything to do with you? Why do they seem to be happy? You ever been there? Lord, why do all these non-Christians just, they seem to, they don't have a care in the world. But here I am, you know, we kind of get in these woe is me parties, you know, and and, and we can kind of just kind of develop these, these sort of uh, negative responses and reactions to adversity. So the question, again, for us is how do you respond to adversity? How do you typically respond? I, it was funny. Afterwards, I was talking with someone in the fellowship hall. He goes, you know that list that you, we went over? I said, yeah. He goes, me, me and some of the, it was a lady. He said, me and some of the ladies, that was all of us. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's kind of like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, huh? She's like, yeah, we're going to make little signs. This is me, and this is you, and this is me, right? You got, you know, your grumble, your complainer, right? How do you normally respond to adversity? Because last week we learned that pretty much all of us, I would guess for most, if not all of us, giving thanks isn't on the top of the list. Giving thanks probably is not on the top of the list. And yet, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says we're to give thanks in all circumstances. We're to give thanks in all circumstances. We know it requires a supernatural power, right? Lord, I can't do this. I need you in me. Power of the Holy Spirit, right? And we saw, go ahead and turn to Romans 8.28. Why can we give thanks in all circumstances? Well, it's a command, so we just need to obey it. But we looked at a promise... A promise for those of us who are God's children. An incredible, incredible promise. Romans 8.28 And we know that in what? 
all things, right? So we're supposed to give thanks in what? All circumstances, right? But Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in what? Okay, you've got to say it because you just, you're right? Uh-huh. We know that in? Okay, now say it like you mean it because, you know, you just got to say this. God's Word is truth, right? So, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Radical promise. You're a child of God. No matter what happens in your life, that verse says God will work it for your good. Amen? There's hope. There's peace. There's strength. Now, as we were talking, Robert, we may not know what the good's going to be. And in fact, oftentimes, how many of you ever been through a trial and, you, and, and it's only in retrospect that you see what God did in and through you? Anyone? Something happened in your life and you look back and go, oh my gosh. Looking back, now I see how I grew. Now I see what God did in that mess for the good. So sometimes, okay, oftentimes, you're not going to know what the good is going to be until some time passes. And it may not even happen on this time on earth. But that's where we walk by faith. We walk by faith in the truth of Scripture, amen, which tells us His promises and His character, right? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His promise. So if you, if you bank on that promise, then you can start to perhaps give thanks in all circumstances because all things work for the good. For who? If you're a Christian, that verse says all things work for the good for you. All things may not be good, but God will work all things for the good. From the smallest thing to the largest thing, right? And and I asked a couple of our dear uh, church family to share about this idea of giving thanks and what they did and how it impacted them this week. So Betty, Betty sent me an email. And I love the email because it was about giving thanks. She heard the message and she she uh, sent me a little email and I said, can you share that? Of course, she <laughs> wasn't thrilled with that, but you're giving thanks in the sharing, right? <laughs> Why don't you use that? So that we got her written. Okay, so just share what happened and then what it meant to give thanks. One day last week, I was fixing in the evening, I was getting Daryl and me a dish of ice cream. I had a nice bowl all fixed for me. I knocked it on the floor. The dish broke, ice cream all over and on the cupboard. And I looked at that, and I thought, and I'm supposed to give thanks for that? (laughs) And so I got the broom and the dustpan and started cleaning it up. Joe got me some rags, wiped it up, and I went and sat down, and I thought, I'm supposed to be Richie, and the Bible says <laughs> to be, I said that, <laughs> to be, I need to be thankful in all things. So I thought, well, it could have fallen on my foot and I could have gotten cut, but it didn't. And I always put banana, sliced bananas and chocolate syrup on it. 
but I didn't hadn't gotten that in there yet, and that would have really been a mess if I had ice cream and bananas on the floor and chocolate syrup. So I had a lot to be thankful for. I thank God in all things. Thank you, Betty. That's awesome. See, it's that real. It's that real. We're not talking necessarily all the heavy-duty stuff of life. It's because it's life change, right? It's life change. Up until that that moment, Betty had a habit and history of how she would have dealt with that. She heard God's word in faith and obedience. She stopped, and she made conscious choices. And now she's different. Remember, I told you when you take God's word and you begin to apply it, you change, literally change. So here's the radical truth: Betty is different right now than when she was at this time last Sunday. She's different. She's a different person. By implementing this truth into her life because of ice cream, she sits here, okay, don't, don't, don't minimize this, she sits here different than when she sat here last Sunday because she heard and did God's Word. And she's transformed. That's, in the simplicity of obedience, that's what God does. Robert, come on up. Pastor Richie asked me to uh, think of something this week, and the first thing that came to my mind was I was putting off doing my laundry for uh, a number of weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And it came down to where I just didn't have any clean clothes to wear. (laughs) And I thought, well, someday, and I I have to take it to the laundromat, so that's kind of a chore. And uh, it looked pretty awesome to uh, look forward to that. I, I didn't look forward to it at all. And I knew that it took a long time. I knew it was going to be, you know, uh, a number of hours, maybe all day. And so I got the laundromat and I started uh, doing it and I started thinking negatively, you know, about having to deal with all this. And then I remembered uh, last sermon, last Sunday sermon. And so I, I thought it Lord, I, I do give you thanks. I give you thanks for uh, my dirty clothes. Uh, and then I realized that uh, there was reason to give thanks because how many clothes I have compared to probably most of the world's people and how many clothes you and I, how many clothes you have. You know, if you dirtied all your clothes, you'd probably have to spend a whole day doing your laundry too, right? And anyway, um, it helped me have a better attitude, a lot better. So I started just enjoying the Lord in the midst of my working to get my clothes clean. I I actually filled four triple loaders plus two regular uh, washing (laughs) machines. (laughs) So that meant drying them, folding them, and it actually took about all day. But it sure, my attitude was so different. And I, I, I didn't go away negative, and it just brought new energy and, and a new focus. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Amen. Who's ready to go do some laundry? Yes. Four triple loaders. <laughs> Man. 
Give thanks. I, I love what you said, right? Connection between giving thanks and what? Attitude. Attitude. If you can just pause and make that choice and allow God to develop an attitude of gratitude and begin to bring things into your mind that you had sort of forgotten or pushed away because you were so angry and and, and focused on the negative, giving thanks transforms you. Transforms you when you spill ice cream. It can be transformative when you have to spend a day at the laundromat. Right? And here's the thing. When you develop this habit, okay, of giving thanks continuously, you know what that does? When you do that in the smaller things, okay, it simply prepares you for when the storms really come. Because when the big storms come, your your giving thanks is just part of who you are. It's just your it's just more of a normative, supernatural response. That's what you do. That's what you do. So we do that, right? As a command, we do it based on this promise in Romans eight twenty eight. And if you look at your notes, we also do it in faith in what we call God's presence or this, this big word called his imminence, right? Everyone say imminence. Imminence, right? Kind of like, what does that mean, right? Well, there's, there's, there's two aspects of God's character that, that you're probably familiar with one and not so much with the other, at least the words. The first word is transcendence, right? Transcendence. So let's look at Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah. One definition of transcendence is that when we are speaking of the transcendence of God, we are talking about that sense in which God is above and beyond us. He is higher than the world. He has absolute power over the world. The world has no power over Him. Transcendence describes God in His consuming majesty, His exalted loftiness, right? God of wonders, right? Holy, 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 right? Sometimes many of our worship songs speak to God's transcendence. Look at Isaiah Chapter 6, right? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wing, and with two they covered their feet. With two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Right? So God is transcendent. He is transcendent. Right? Turn and go to Isaiah 55. Let's just stay in the same book. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 8. God is speaking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right? God's transcendence. You don't have to turn to John 8, 23. Jesus says, Hey, He's talking to the Jews. He continued, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am N-O-T-W, not of this world, right? God's transcendence. Why is this important? Why is it important? Because we can never lose sight that God deserves all worship, all praise, all honor. 
sometimes what's happened in our culture is that we bring we have brought God down to the buddy level. He's just our buddy. He's just our friend. And you can't do that. God is transcendent. He's holy, holy, holy. Right? If God somehow manifested, manifested Himself and revealed Himself right at this second, you know where we would all be? On our face. On the floor. If we understood God's transcendence, right? So He's transcendent, right? But we want to focus on, on giving thanks because He's also what they call imminent. Imminent, right? And when we say imminent, we're saying that God is close to us. So, so you can look at transcendence as his apartness. He's apart from us. He's distinct. And then imminence is he's near. He's near, right? He's creator. He's all-powerful. And yet what? He's Abba Father, right? How many of you have ever said the Lord's Prayer? Right? The Lord's Prayer. What's the first line? What's the first phrase? Our Father. Okay, stop. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father, eminence, nearness, personal, loving relationship, who art in heaven, transcendence. You see? You need them both. Our Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, who art in heaven. Holy, majestic, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, right? Why is this important? Why is it important to know that God is imminent in order to give thanks. Why do we need to be reminded scripturally that God is imminent? What's important about His imminence? Right? What's important about His imminence? Well, I was thinking about, Shiloh, we're going to have to bring it down. How many of you are familiar with that, that poem, Footprints in the Sand? Right? Right? We're going to show you a little picture. It's important to, to, to know God's imminence because my guess is for many of you, when you deal with adversity, you wonder where God was. Right? Shai, you want to put up that picture real quick? Right? You're familiar with this poem, Footprints in the Sand? You see it kind of in all the Christian stores, right? Right? Guy's walking. He has a dream. One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times there was one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there have only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you most, have you not been there for me? The Lord replied, the times when you have seen only one set of footprints is when I carried you. Right? I share, I share that with you because if my guess is when we go through the trials of life, anyone ever felt alone? Anyone honestly, if you're honest, just say, Lord, why'd you bail? Right? Especially when you serve, Ernie. And especially when you when you attend faithfully Sunday and Wednesday, right? And, and, and when you give and you're doing everything that you thought you were supposed to be doing and then your world goes upside down, right away, if we're honest, we may say, Lord, where'd you go? 
Where'd you go? What happened? I thought we were tight. Right? And here's the thing about imminence. God's nearness, right? He's right here. It's like, remember the illustration here? He never moved. God never moves. He's right here. And it's important to understand, you know, this word imminence. Because I think some of us kind of have become cliche in this idea that, oh yeah, God's with me always. Anyone? Right, you wouldn't, you wouldn't deny that. I don't think anyone here would deny, oh yeah, God's everywhere. God's with me always. But then why is it when the storms hit that suddenly we, we slide into, where are you, God? Where'd you go? You left me. High and dry. I've just got to deal with this by myself. And right away, hmm, what am I going to do to fix this? Anyone? How many of us, honestly, once you get past the anger, and how many of you just go into fix-it mode? And then, then after we, a while, we, then we check in with God. Right? See, we have to understand this word imminent. We have to understand this word imminence because it tells us scripturally that God is always near. Always near. Right? And that's the uniqueness of the Christian faith. I, w- I really want you to understand that. Right? Some of the other world religions, they got this God out there that's very angry. And he's sort of just watching and waiting for you to mess up. And he's always at a distance. And he's uninvolved. The uniqueness of the Christian faith is that the Creator God, all-powerful, all-knowing, wants a relationship with you. You see that? That's the uniqueness of our faith. Don't take that for granted. Don't take that for granted. If you were to go to some countries and say, hey, you a Christian? Yeah, right? And you know what that means? I have a relationship with God. What? You're, You're claiming to have a relationship with God? That's what we claim. That's what we claim. That's what we know, right? We have a relationship with God. Transcendent and imminent. And because of those two truths, we can give thanks in all circumstances. Because we're never alone. We're never, ever, ever alone. And I love this, right? Turn to Matthew 1 in light of Advent. In fact, Dave uh, read it. Matthew 1. Very familiar verse. Matthew one twenty two. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. They will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right? Emmanuel is actually two words put together. You have Emmanuel, which means with us, and El, which is short for Elohim, is God. So Emmanuel is with us God or God with us. Right? That not only speaks to Jesus becoming man, the incarnation, but it speaks to his imminence. God with us. If you're wondering why sometimes there's an I and there's an E in Emmanuel, everyone, everyone wonder that, right? The I is because in Hebrew, Emmanuel, vowel is I, a short I. And in the Greek, Emmanuel is a short E. That's why there's an I and an E sometimes in different translations. It's as simple as that, right? God with us. God with us. 
And you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I kind of hear that every Christmas season. But today I think, I think God just wants to ask us all, do you live, do I live the truth of Emmanuel? Do we live in the, in the truth, in the presence, in the power that God is with us? 24-7. He's imminent. He's imminent. How would that change your life? If somehow th- there was a little, a little manifestation and only you could see God with you, would that change things? If there was like this some like secret vision you had and you knew that God was just Emmanuel and wherever you went, there was Emmanuel, would that change something? Would that change something? See, that's His imminence. That's His imminence. The Bible says He knows the very hairs on your head. Okay? He is intimately involved in every area of your life. So the question is, is there an area where you haven't allowed Him in as Emmanuel? He's there? Are you trying to deal with something on your own this morning? I got it. Have you allowed Him to be Emmanuel in your relationships, in your finances, in your attitude, in your words, in your work? Is He Emmanuel? Is He God with you? Isn't that awesome? God with us. Transcendent, imminent, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So as we, as we leave my, my prayer, as we head into Advent, Walk with Emmanuel. Wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances because no matter what happens today, God says He's going to work it for the good and I'm going to give thanks today because Emmanuel. God is with me. He's imminent. All-powerful, all-knowing, creator of the universe is imminent. He's near me. He's as close as close can be. Amen? Four years ago, I went down on Thanksgiving to uh, spend time with my parents. And on Thanksgiving morning, my mom woke me up because my dad wasn't feeling well. And uh, before the ambulance could come, he lost consciousness and at our kitchen table and uh, never woke up. He had an aneurysm. And so uh, this past Thanksgiving, just a couple of days ago, he was down in San Diego again and just kind of felt the need to just went out to uh, where my dad was buried. And, uh, you know, you go there and you kind of see it for a little bit. And then I sat at a bench. And I was just reflecting on uh, just giving thanks for him. And I sat there long enough to kind of work through you know, all the, the stuff of emotion all that. And, and in the end, I just got to be honest with you, you know, I, I, I left there encouraged because uh, God just, it, it's okay. I'm still God. I still love you. And uh, I know you don't understand it all, but I'm still Emmanuel. 
know you don't get it. But I'm still Emmanuel. And so my encouragement to you is, is there's going to be things you don't get. Any circumstances in life, you're just like, what just happened? But no, he's Emmanuel. He's with you. He's with you. And he's going to work it all out for the good. Amen.